What's up and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast is powered by Stick and Ball TV, the baseball and softball streaming platform. If you're a coach and you're looking for a resource to help you get better, then Stick and Ball is just for you. With weekly updated videos from some of the best baseball and softball coaches in the country, it's an absolute no-brainer. Check them out at stickandball.tv or on the Stick and Ball TV mobile app. On today's show, we have on part two with Point Loma head coach, Justin James. On this episode, we discuss how to get arms ready for the season, how they develop in season, and how to prepare teams for postseason runs. Here is Justin James. So let's talk about, you know, when do you shift the focus from, okay, now in the offseason, well, you guys are playing games and, and it's a lot of game-like stuff, but shifting the focus from player development, which, you know, offseason, we want to continue to get better. We want to continue to get better in season, but now it's, we have to get better and the test is now another opponent instead of just ourselves. And, you know, you can go through through this. You know, yes, we compete with ourselves. Yes, we're continuing to try and develop players in season. But the game is the test. Like, the test is the other team that we're trying to beat. And so when do you flip that switch? Uh, what do you guys do? And talk to us a, a little bit through your preseason, and, and we'll go from there. Okay, I don't flip the switch. Uh, basically, I guess it's probably the easy answer is I teach it from day one. And so uh, what we do, uh, every inner squad, uh, what we do is we always have the scoreboard on and I have runs in the runs column. And Brian Kane does a really good process oriented uh, inner squad that everyone should probably look into. But basically what I'm trying to teach is compete. And basically I put a run differential penalty. So let's say we're doing five burpees per run differential or we're doing five jump squats. So if a team, you know, wins nine to five, uh, you know, they win by four, that's 16 burpees or 16 jump squats. And so basically what this starts to teach is it doesn't matter what the score is. You want to eliminate as many of those conditioning stuff as you possibly can by not giving up in the ninth inning and try and scratch one or two across. Uh, obviously that's 10 less or whatever we choose to be that. Uh, so basically what we do is we do that uh, every single inner squad. The second column is going to be quabs. So how many total quabs do we have on the day? And then third column in the air column, we do how many total freebies, how many walks, how many hit by pitches, how many BID reads did we give up stolen bases? Um, and it could be even mental errors and stuff like that. Um, basically not turning a double play. That should have been turned. That's going to be a free out. I know it's not an error in baseball uh, standards, but it is and, and stuff like that. So we constantly teaching it that through inner squads uh, every single day from from day one. And That's the other idea. thing that I like to do is I like to I always put runners on base uh, for our pitchers and our defense. And it works with for our hitters with runners in scoring position. And I just pump up pitchers to uh, to strand as many inherited runners as you possibly can. So if I, let's say, inner squad, I'll tell them, hey, we're starting with bases loaded today, every day, every single guy who comes into this game. And so now they got to work on pit one pitch at a time mentality. And now they also got to realize, hey, I'm probably going to give up a run here. And I can't freak out and give up all three. 
and, and stuff like that. So we say every run matters, which it does. And what we got to do is we put two points on it in our scoring system that every run that you do not run or you do not give up are worth two points. So let's say you do give up a single and two run score, but you get an inning and you strand one guy, you're still at a positive two because the guys who are mentally weak or, or, you know, freak out, I guess would be the other way to do it, make it bigger than it really is. They're going to give up all three. They're going to be at a zero. Uh, but the defense knows that as well. And the offensive guys get to work on changing their approach a little bit based on what that pitcher is and what the situation is. We changed it up every single inner squad base loaded, no outs could be first and third one out, but a pitcher throwing a clean inning doesn't happen very often here in the training purposes, which I think leads to playing against other teams and with a clean inning. And then all of a sudden they think, Hey, this is a lot easier. And I think it's helped develop all three phases of the game uh, quite a bit. Plus, if the ball's hit in that inner squad, then you get to work on real cutoff and relays and get your catchers as many reps as possible to see the field, make mistakes, make bad calls, make good calls. So then it's real and we film that and we can review that uh, in, a, in a different meeting and stuff like that later rather than just a coach hitting a fungo session. That's really good. So whenever you, whenever you guys get back from winter break, and you're starting in January, uh, pitching guy, and again, head of the program. But uh, I'd love to hear, you know, when do you guys start and what is what is the target? How do you ramp up guys uh, for the season? And, you know, if I, I don't know if you backwards plan from game one. I'm, that's just kind of an assumption, so uh, feel free to, to tell me I'm wrong. But just like what's that process between uh, the first game and then when you start, what are you guys doing to get pitchers ready? So very similar. This is the first year I've sent the most guys out for summer ball. But I, I say that because I, I tax summer ball or summer and Christmas break almost very similar is I'll have them um, deload. And then basically they're going to on ramp and uh, eat as much as they can sleep as much as they can get jacked as much as they can throw a bunch of heavy stuff for multiple weeks. And what I do for, for the starting pitchers for the fall going into season is they will stop whatever program I've put together. I map out 120 days uh, summer program for all pitchers. So they know every single day what they're supposed to do. And I do the same thing for Christmas break. Uh, what I do is I just tweak it a little bit for the perceived long guys and, and your starting pitchers. And what they do is they finish just two weeks earlier and they start double bullpenning rather than still continuing to work on running guns or whatever it might be that we, uh, I have addressed for each individual guy. So basically they are ahead of the curve. There you go. Little, no pun intended. Uh, and they are ready to come in and almost throw to live batters right away. And you got to just really hound on them. Hey, this is what's happened in the past guys come in, they get cranky arms and we don't have time to on ramp you multiple weeks before that first start where you're only going to get to go three to four innings. And so I just make it a point of emphasis to get those guys a little bit more ready relievers. I have them stay on that plan as long as possible, knowing that when they come back, they're only going to throw to live batters for one inning uh, and stuff like that for at least a couple of weeks. Uh, and a lot of the times I've actually stopped to get started to get away from bullpens uh, as much. And if I have a chance to do a live outing on a Tuesday and a live outing on a Saturday, I would rather do that 
And it seems like their arms are a little bit healthier that way as well. I don't know why that is still kind of diving into that, but we're doing that more often. So then now they've got a double taste of being on the mound and their arm is starting to get a little bit more conditioned to jump into season. Because if you jump into season too quickly with these guys, they're not prepared. That's when most injuries happen. Um, so we do that both in the summer to come back and then also for Christmas break. So we're facing live hitters almost right away and we're throwing breaking balls and off speed pitches right away. I don't do a fastball only scrimmage uh, type deal for multiple weeks or change up fastball only. I just don't believe in that. Uh, even though a lot of other really good pitching coaches do that, I think, Hey, spin it, spin it now. And, and the guys like it a little bit better as well. Cool. So, you know, you, you talked about being intentional with, what I would call it stealing reps and you're just calling it better practice uh, examples. But whenever you get to in season, you know, the focus is winning games, keeping guys healthy, helping them develop winning games. So have, what, what has been the balance of, you know, you, you were wanting to develop players. We're wanting to steal reps, but we also have a finite amount of energy that we can dedicate to practice time. And so, you know, being efficient is, is really, really important and intentional about what we're doing. So I'd love to hear, you know, just some different thoughts that you have that may be different from other people, or, you know, you've mentioned the hack attack, the different process scrimmages, the, the bullpens that you guys are doing. What are some things that you guys do during the season that's similar to that of where, you know, we're trying to practice game-like, we're trying to manage energy, but we're tr- still trying to get as many reps as possible to continue to develop, especially players who aren't playing every day. Okay. So I love what we do in season. Uh, and, and I, 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 I like it as a coach. It's fun. And I like it from a player development thing. So basically what we do, and I don't think we're going to be any different than any other program. And basically it's just years of jacking stuff from other people. But, uh, typically we play Friday, Saturday, double dip, double dip Sunday off. So it's difficult, uh, to manage that energy, And it just looks a little bit different than what I was at UCSD where uh, we were playing a lot more single games, which is nice, but we are what we are. So with that going, you know, your starters are getting grinded down uh, quite a bit. So what we do is uh, every Monday, no matter what, whoever didn't throw live is going to throw to live batters. And we're going to get the guys who didn't get ABs be the top of the lineup. So basically your starters will be at the bottom line if they'll get one or two at bats max, but the guys who didn't play are going to get three or four. That's usually what our Monday looks like. Uh, and so they get a little bit more baseball. I'm not running them into the ground. We're not taking 10,000 GBs unless they want them before or after practice, which they're always welcome to use us. Then what we do on Tuesdays that I really like in our schedule is we don't jump into team baseball that day. Since we have so many pins and so many guys who need to be available for Friday, I use it as a pitcher indie. And it is you do, you show up at your allotted time. You can actually get in and out a lot quicker, and you can go get more homework done, or you can spend a lot more time long tossing without having to worry about team stuff. And we just pin almost everybody on Tuesday, uh, on that Tuesday, with a few starters having to do, go on Wednesday. When that happens, the pitchers are kind of on their own development. I can have a meeting now because I have a lot more time because I don't have to worry about the rest of the team. We can go over our AARs, our after-action reports, and basically go over our upcoming opponent or what what do we got to do to get better from that past weekend. All while this is going on, the hitters have the same deal. They have an ND day on Tuesday, and they just hit, 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 
if they want to take some GBs or fly balls on hack attack or whatever they want to do, they just reach out to us. But that's an all offensive day shorts, just kind of get the week going again. Uh, that's pretty good. And I like that format. And then on Wednesday and Thursday, now it's team defense uh, and working on some things that we just got to work on uh, some of our staple drills and stuff like that. But one that we do every single Wednesday to get the energy ramped up and get the reps going and get it more game-like and stuff like that is uh, what we call live BP. A lot of other people do this and call it something different as well. Uh, Monty Lee, once again, really reemphasized this. Uh, They do, I think, Tiger BP, they call it. We call it Z-Lion BP. And basically, you know, four pitches are, are, it's, it's a live defense and you have two teams uh, hitting one team's in the cage while one team is hitting live uh, balls. One, uh, sorry, two and four are live. And so basically it's BP, but with live reps uh, and they finish the playoff every single time. And the runner only runs on ball four. So they're not getting overly taxed by sprinting, but then there's an element where you don't have to have a stopwatch and you can work on different situations, put runners in different places. So you work on cuts and relays uh, and you can go a situation that we sucked at maybe, or something that came up the weekend before and you hammer that out. So they still get their BP swings, they get their live reps, they get their throwing in and it takes about an hour ish, depending on, you know, how you're doing it. And then now we can just do a pitcher pick session or pitcher square drill, something like that. And we're in and out in two hours and they're not overly taxed. And then Thursday we'll hammer out, uh, you know, uh, I call it drill buffet. We'll do a little bit of almost everything we do, but only for like five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. And that's our week. No, I love it. And uh, again, it's you're you learning this as the head coach, trying to manage energy and time and stealing and, and trying to implement all the different things that you want to. And, and so I, I commend you for that because I, I'm, I'm assuming that that's not an easy process because there's so many things that you could do, but there's a limited time and attention spans that we have, especially during the season. Right. So with, uh, with, with the last thing, I guess, is the postseason. So once we start getting to the end of the season and we're preparing our team to compete well uh, for the, for postseason play tips, tricks, uh, guidelines, what do you got? Right. So uh, had a ton of success really here before I left. Uh, We were in a couple of regionals and then go to UCSD and, uh, you know, go to two World Series uh, and, you know, two regionals where we didn't lose a game. And, you know, just learning from Eric and Joe of like, what does that need to look like? Uh, I think it's pretty simple is you don't change anything. Uh, and you make it not a bigger deal than it really has to be. But also you got to manage and make sure they get healthy and making sure that they're, you know, your pitchers don't get too much rest uh, and, and really hitters too. The, you know, so I, not backing off them in terms of, you know, high velo BP and uh, breaking ball machine and stuff like that. Like you, you almost want to ramp that up rather than back off. And in 2019, you know, we're in the regional championship game and, you know, it's my first year uh, as the head guy, but I basically had some good experience from those other programs uh, or head coaches, I mean, and just kind of did what they did and uh, didn't do anything different, which probably ended up being a good thing uh, because of lack of experience. I didn't overthink the situation, uh, but going forward, you know, hopefully we're in those situations more often is try and simulate 
you know, more often, you know, let's play some inner squads where you're not allowed to hit BP beforehand. Uh, and you have to hit only in the cage and you're not allowed to take in and out. How do we still play, you know, good playoff baseball without having those things? Because in postseason play, you don't get those. Or, you know, how do we, you know, when you go to a World Series or you go to a regional, they give you a 45-minute practice when you first get to a field. Well, we want to practice that style of uh, practice and stuff like that. And so they're not as domed up like, oh, my gosh, I didn't get my 45 minutes of BP. We didn't do in and out. I didn't get to long toss as much as I wanted. It just feels a lot more condensed. So that would be my point of emphasis going forward is to simulate that as much as as I can a week or two weeks prior to that postseason game. I love it. It's fantastic. All right. So uh, before we let you go, that's essentially an entire year of player development. Uh, I guess we could talk about what you guys do uh, after the season, because I, I think that that may be something that that is not talked about enough. And you mentioned you have them on, especially the pitchers on a throwing program uh, for summer ball as well. But tell us about, you know, you talked about after action reviews. Tell us a little bit about how those are structured after the season is over. So let's say you guys go out, you have an awesome, awesome year. It ends how you want to, uh, but the season does end for all of us at some point in time. What do you do kind of fo- following uh, the end of the season? What do you do with your players and coaching staffs and, and things like that? Right. So that's another thing this year. I feel just been better uh, just being a little more intentional uh, with one-on-one conversations and, and in the past, it was kind of like, you know, end of the fall meeting, uh, end of the season meeting. And, and you know, that's kind of all it was. And uh, that's not good enough. And I, I've learned that. So basically what it ends up being is, uh, depending on how that person's season's going and this and that, it, it's not bashing what they did wrong. It's like, hey, what do we got to do to get better? So once again, hashtag make it better is – I asked them way more questions, which it was a thing I learned or am learning right now. That's super valuable. So I bought them all a book, uh, put a cool helmet sticker on there, make it theirs, and get, you know, get a get a um, their name put on it and, and stuff like that. And so instead of me telling them all the time what I think they need to do to get better, which I will tell them that, I have them tell me what they need to get better at. And they, you should see some of these answers and so much more buy-in and, and stuff like that. So even though I haven't done that at the end of a season yet, I'm going to do that at the end of this fall and I'm going to do that. And we're currently doing it now, but I'm going to do that at the end of the summer as well. And just pick three things. Now, when they try to work on six different things, uh, they're going to think it's too big of a task and they're not going to concentrate on any of them and they come back the same player. Uh, right now, I'm going to have them and they, we always pick three things right now in our mental skills book where pick three things in your night routine and your AM PM routine or getting better. What do you want to get better? So I got this from Brian Kane, uh, start, stop, continue. And I love it. So what do you want to start doing? What do you want to stop doing? And what do you want to continue to, to do to become a better baseball player? So they write that out, they put it in a Google form and that goes straight to me and I review their answers and I call them in and we go over uh, if I agree with those or how can I facilitate that better going forward. So that might be a different summer plan. It could be a different Christmas break plan. It could be a a different practice plan here in the fall. It could be what early outs look like uh, and stuff like that. And that's the route been going now when it comes to player development uh, for each individual guy. 
Man, there's so much that we've covered today. And, and uh, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on. And you guys are doing some really cool stuff. And, and you know, being a guy that gets to interview people every week, that I, I say that and I hope that that, that gets your stamp of approval and, and confidence uh, because I, I think that, thank that you. you guys are doing doing some awesome stuff. But I did want to ask you one question before you go. If Also, if any if anyone wants to get in contact with you, uh, just hit the link below. Uh, your email and your Twitter account is right there. So I, I'm sure that you would be more than, more than happy to, to converse with, with people, but I would love Absolutely. to know, I would love to know for, from a resources standpoint, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a book. It doesn't have to be a person or a course, but just if you were going to leave this show, having one opportunity to talk to the young coaches out there, the coaches wanting to grow, what what one thing would you want them to dig into to understand uh, and just if, if they're listening to you taking away one thing what would that be oh man uh, I mean broken record cliche learn uh, learn and uh, as much as possible how do I do that uh, it might be different than everyone else I'm really big on just trying to find uh, some other guys going through similar things and guys I, I I look up to and guys that I just think are doing a great job so couple of guys, you know, just right now uh, that I, I reach out to regularly, Eric Newman at UCSD, um, you know, Ed Maffey, and a lot of Justin Hare at Campbell. Uh, I really like Sean Stifler at VCU. I think he should probably be uh, a guy you should maybe go and interview. He's doing some big things there. He's been a really good mentor uh, and just got to bounce off uh, ideas back and forth with each other because it's hard to be a pitching guy and the head guy. Uh, I think at times and stuff like that. So, and then go shadow other coaches. I've shadowed USD, San Diego state. I'm going to be doing uh, some other programs coming up in a couple of days. Just go watch and see what they do and take what you can. Uh, I'm a big podcast guy. I, I have a routine every morning where I'm going to listen to a podcast. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty spoiled here. Throw on the board shorts every single morning and I'm going to listen to one hour of knowledge, whatever it might be. could be a book, could be uh, a podcast. So the podcast I go to, every single time you put one out, I'm on it. I'm going to, I'm going to it. Every single week I listen to uh, Craig Rochelle's um, sermon. I usually do that as a church setting though, but every time his new leadership podcast comes up, I'm on it. I listen every Monday to Adam or Andy Stanley's leadership, uh, sorry, sermon. And then every month when he puts out his leadership one, I'm on it every single time. And one I've been liking a lot lately and have for a while actually is, uh, uh, Travis Wyckoff's DNA. I just think he is, his format of his podcast is really good. And he's had some really good speakers who have just dropped some crazy knowledge, uh, and stuff like that. So basically just make sure I, I'm intentional every day for the most part to have one hour of whatever it might be. Uh, could be a podcast, could be a book and stuff like that. So I would just obsess with that stuff and start getting kind of what your inner circle is and who can you bounce ideas off of uh, and stuff like that. It is in, invaluable. And I think it's just made me a lot better and a lot more calmer that I'm doing things, some things right and some things wrong. Uh, more often than not. Uh, and uh, I don't know. It's just love what you do. And I think when you learn some of these techniques, when you love what you do, uh, and there's times where you don't because maybe you're too stressed out and you don't like the techniques that you're using, I'm a pretty good testament right now. I've never been more happy coaching uh, this year 
than I have had as an assistant or even my first year and stuff like that. This is whatever some of these techniques that I've been teaching the guys have really rubbed off on me. And uh, I think it's a better, I'm a better head coach because of it. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review wherever you are listening. I also wanted to remind you that you can find the video portion at the AOTC channel on stickandball.tv. Have a great week.